0: That's nOom.com to sign up today. Before we get started with this episode of Bench with Bubba, I wanted to talk to you about
1: rotoballer.com. Win big in 2022 with rotoballer.com's MLB and DFS Premium Pass, which includes 15 exclusive lineup tools, daily DFS cheat sheets, and our new Team Sync platform. Use Rotoballer's exclusive hitter projections, pitching planners, DFS value displays, research stations, lineup optimizer, and more to help you win big. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Benched with Bubba, episode 491. Got a special one coming at you. tonight. it's the first time I've had them together at the same time on this show. You uh, you might know them on Twitter as Eric Cross04 and at Roto Clegg. They have the fan tracks toolshed podcast, a one of the monsters in the business. They write at fan tracks, they write at fancy pros, they do it all. They're prospect gurus, fantasy baseball gurus, and great guys in general. Please welcome Eric Cross, Chris Clegg. How are you doing, gentlemen? Man, doing well. How are you doing, Bubba? Living the dream, living the dream. I get to talk to two awesome dudes that have better beards than me, so it's gonna be a great time, <laughs> that's for sure. There's a lot of good facial hair on this podcast
2: right now. Yeah, I'm digging it. Yeah, yeah for sure. I gotta wear
1: a hat though, because you guys both have full heads of hair, so it's just, it's not, it's not fair right now. But uh, appreciate you guys joining me. Before we get the party started, um, I'll let you guys go around. We'll go Eric and Chris, and I'll try to make sure it mixes up. But uh, plug everything you guys got going on because you guys are both busy, busy individuals.
3: Oh, yeah, really busy time of year. Everyone's kind of, or some people are switching over to football, not us. Uh, A lot lot of rankings updates coming here. You know, I guess the big one, uh, Chris and I are doing our top 100 FYPD combined rankings. We combine them to a little mini consensus of sorts, and we'll get you a lot of player blurbs as well. So that'll be out next week. I also have my prospect rankings out on Monday and updated Dynasty rankings out the following Monday, which is like, I think, the 31st of July or August 1st, whatever that date falls on. So, a lot of fun so uh so plug it along here in the baseball season that's for sure Most yeah time. what about you chris
2: yeah no football here i don't i don't play a single fantasy football league so it's baseball all the time here so you know prospects it's a good time in the off season to really get into them but yeah we're updating we got the fypd ranks i'll have the updated obp prospect and dynasty rankings too over the next couple of weeks on fan tracks so it's a good time uh, a lot of good content coming out so i'm looking forward always fun to update the rankings with the new draftees yeah. Yeah. I, I give you guys credit.
1: Um doing rankings is like in preseasons one thing, you guys constantly updating them for dynasty purposes, which is necessary because dynasty is obviously a fluid thing all the time. Uh that's a labor of love. So you guys uh definitely you guys might not see it as a labor of love, but <laughs> oh,
3: it <laughs> yeah. it is for sure. It, my first ever prospect rankings that I published on Fantrax back in I think it was around this time, 2018. It was a top 50 prospect ranking. So if you told me that time I'd I'd be doing 400 plus 500 dynasty, I would have told you that you were crazy and to go, you know, bleep off. You know, that would be just no way I'm doing that. But, you know, we do it because we love it. So it definitely is a labor of love.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I feel you. I feel you. Um, We're going to talk, like I I said, off the air, but for the listeners, we're going to do a little bit of MLB draft recap. Still kind of fresh for everybody. A lot of speculations. We don't know how half of this is going to pan out for the most part. And then we'll talk about a lot of these young players that have been uh, tearing it up or not tearing it up and see where we think of them in dynasty perspectives and much, much more. We got some listener questions to hit up at the end as well. So uh, let's just get into it. Let's talk MLB draft for a minute here. And it took place uh, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, which is a uh, an interesting way to do it. The first time this year, they kind of mixed it up for us. Um, I saw the memes everywhere of the first round pick it was like a six-year-old. It was uh, Matt Holliday's uh, son. <laughs> I, I knew who he was, but that was where the memes, like they drafted a young in a lot of high school he lo- kids. He, he looks
3: there. it, dude. He looks it.
1: Yeah, he looks it. Andrew Jones' son uh, got drafted, and I've heard he's just a monster. The D-backs did well in that regard. Kumar Rocker getting his comeback party. And much, much more. I'm not going to go pick by pick by pick on this, obviously, but I was going to get your guys' thoughts on a few guys. So we'll start with Eric, and we'll kind of go back and forth between Eric and Chris here. Um, give us, give us one of your like top potential dynasty picks from the draft.
3: Well, I think, I think number one, I think there, there's a clear cut top tier for me. It's it's a two person tier. It's Drew Jones. It's Elijah Green. You know, Drew Jones obviously he's had son of uh, former All Star from the Atlanta Braves, Andrew Jones, and he is. You know, he has a lot of upside, a lot of tools there. Elite speed, good feel for hitting, power stroke is developing. Like I said in my write-up that I, I hasn't gone live yet, but in the the FYPD rankings that I talked about, if anyone's gonna be the next like Corbin Carroll from this draft class, I think it's gonna be Jones. And then Elijah Green is probably has the highest upside. Uh, he's just got like tools that this the combination of tools that you just don't see like this is potential generational talent. If everything clicks, obviously that's a ways away. We never know, but you know, huge power, huge speed, you know, huge arm defense. It's all there. Just a little bit of swing and miss to his game, uh, which did c- kind of get corrected as the uh, spring went on. But if that hit tool is there and he can hit for enough average, man, that's going to be a, f- both these guys would be very fun players.
1: Is this why the uh, the Nats are going to trade Juan Soto because they have Elijah Green now? That, that's that's <laughs> like their their plan of attack here, like those bums in Washington. I but, know, um, man. Oh, that's God, it's so bad because he'll be a Dodger. I can just a Dodger or Yankee. Yeah. It's going to happen. It's going to be. That,
3: that, I think it's going to be the Dodgers. They're the yep. obviously you need to have the the player capital, prospect capital, plus the money to sign him. And yep. yeah, it just every, they get everybody. It's, it's going to be a stacked lineup
1: you don't have to tell uh, me twice. I, I'm very aware of this.
2: Um, Chris, uh, what about you? What is one of the standouts for you? Mark Johnson's one of the other the prep bats that's a, a real standout here. You know, some people have kind of faded him a bit as of recent, but I'm not quite sure why. His his hit tool's extremely good, and that's kind of the carrying tool here. And I'll always bank on somebody that that can hit and has that great feel for contact, and then they can eventually develop more power. The thing is, he already has the power. I think people are kind of skeptical because he's smaller. He's he's only five nine. People feel like he's already kind of filled out a bit in his his frame, which is true. I, I'm not sure how much room there still is to grow, but when the field of hit that Tamar has and the power that he already generates, the bat speed's really good. So I'm not particularly worried about his profile. I think it's a good profile overall, and for fantasy, is, it feels safer to me with with the kind of contact that he makes. You know, it's kind of one of the better, I think, one of the best hit tools in the class, and with the power for a smaller you know, second baseman type, I think he profiles really well for fantasy purposes. Yeah, just what uh, Pittsburgh needs, another interesting little offensive target that they'll probably
1: find a way to screw up. But uh, <laughs> that, 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 that'll be fun for sure. <laughs> but I did hit on, like I said it earlier, a lot of high school bats went early. Is that a surprise to you, Chris? Was that like, or was this kind of, a, I, I just in years past where I kind of paid a little more attention to the
2: draft, I don't remember this many high school bats going this early. It seemed like a big prep year. Yeah, it was. There was just not as many polished college bats. There's some good college bats, and all the college arms were were injured. I think there was probably six uh, college arms that would have been first rounders that had TJ or shoulder surgery this year. So that's the reason you saw so many prep guys go high. And it was just a, a really talented prep class in general. And we've kind of been you know talking about it for a little while. This was the class to really load up on like FYPD picks for Dynasty because there are these generational talents like Drew and Elijah were just. Extreme talent, so they've been fun to watch. And Jackson Holiday really kind of took off this year, where he really added power, just really developed this year, and went from probably a second rounder to the number one overall pick. So, yeah, those prep guys—Drew Jones, Elijah Green, Jackson Holiday, and Tamar Johnson—are a are real stud class.
1: Eric, you you mentioned uh, you know Corbin Carroll. Now you have another Jones in in Arizona. They're they're building a nice little core there, potentially of of young bats, which could be fun to see. Um, it's all, I always just like to talk trash cause you know, I'll never forget they traded Dansby Swanson. So let's just like, let's wait for, and see uh, where these guys, yeah. For
3: what Shelby Miller yeah. and uh, another minor piece, but yeah, that, that's so, Aaron oh, Blair.
1: So, Aaron, there you go. So let's, let's see yeah. where these guys actually get to the pros and see how this one goes. But, um, it looks good on paper for sure. Um, when you look at these prep players potentially, or, or you could do any of these players, who are like a couple of the guys you might see making the most immediate impact for fantasy purposes? Maybe not long-term because maybe like say Jones might have the best long-term, but we might not see him for like four years, potentially what kind of players do you see? Maybe making a more immediate impact out of this draft.
3: Yeah, there, there's some collegiate bats that I think could, you know, fly pretty high up or the system pretty quickly here. Some of the more like polished, hit like Brooks Lee is the first guy I look at. You know, the upside isn't overly sexy. Like, there's not a ton. There's a little bit of power, not a lot of speed, and maybe like I've kind of comp him to maybe like a Jeff McNeil, high, you know, good average, a little bit of pop, but you know, not not a guy that you know you're dying to go out and get. But you know, he was a you know guy from Cal Poly, four year guy. You know, he's a number eight overall pick went to Minnesota. Shortstop now, obviously they have Royce Lewis. So who knows? The infield is already kind of loaded. Who knows how that works out long term? Maybe they make a trade. Who knows? But I think he's he's got one of the maybe the best hit tool in this class. He's definitely in in the running for that. So I can see him getting up pretty quick. You know, another guy. You know, a, a Jace Jung, uh, Texas Tech uh, second baseman went to Detroit, number twelve overall. I can see him flying up pretty quickly. When you look at some of the, these college arms, you know, like a Cade Horton, who was actually the, the second pitcher taken, uh, it's number seven overall out of Oklahoma by the Chicago Cubs. You know, some guys like that that could, you know, fly up pretty quickly. Maybe you know a Cooper Jerp, um, Jerp, excuse me, from Oregon State went to St. Louis, and I think he could fly up pretty quick. Some of those more advanced you know, collegiate arms that usually are usually those guys are the first ones. And if not, look at the, the big hit tool guys. And then the first one that stands out is uh, Brooksley.
2: What about you, Chris? Anybody stand out to you that might differ from Eric's list there? There's two relievers, I think. You know, we saw Garrett Crochet debut in his draft year, and I think there's two relievers that could possibly do that this year. And that's Ben Joyce, who was out of Tennessee. You've probably heard Ben Joyce's name because he topped out at 105.5 miles an hour this year. So, kind of nuts. He averaged 101.4 miles an hour last year, which is just insane. So, you know, the fastball is elite anyway, even if it wasn't 100-plus, but it is because, you know, his vertical approach angle is so good on that pitch. There's a ton to like. So, you know, Ben Joyce is one that I think could really bump up quick, and he's in the Angels system. He was a third-round pick. Surprisingly, though, he wasn't the first reliever off the board. The Braves actually took the first reliever off the board in – Blake Burkhalter and he was an Auburn closer and he's another one I think could like he's probably ready to pitch in the Atlanta bullpen right now and you know, he gets elite strikeouts he has a good three-pitch mix as well the 4 seamers really good he gets up to 98 on it gets a little cut action you know he does mix a cutter slider kind of like hybrid pitch per se and then he has a great changeup as well so he's got three solid pitches I think he profiles both these guys are ones that could jump really quick and relievers are typically the first ones we see make their debuts and so from a fantasy standpoint I'm not sure like what kind of impact we're talking like I don't see either of these guys come up and taking closer jobs from you know Rosselli Iglesias right now or even Kinley Jansen or any of the other Braves guys that have gotten saves but those are still two guys to watch that are really high profile relievers that you know could provide good strikeouts and ratios at least.
1: That's a good call because we have seen that in the past, especially on teams like the Braves that might compete in the postseason. They could use those kind of arms late to uh, to make it work. So that's that's a good call on that. And I'll start with you on this one, Chris. But I want both your guys' thoughts on this. Um, Kumar Rocker going third overall. We know the drama that took place last year with the Mets and everything, and then he you know he had to heal up. Still went to the independent league, pitched a little bit there. Then he goes third overall. Like that was a pretty pretty big one. I think some expected him to go high, but it still kind of surprised some people that I heard uh, talk about it uh, this week. So, Chris, what are your thoughts on Kumar Rocker? Because the dude was elite in college, like
2: really, really good in college, but uh, just had some injury issues there before getting drafted. It was interesting. I think that the Rangers went this way from the standpoint of they only had, you know, one pick in the top 100, and this was – this, that the third overall pick. They didn't have another pick until 109. And I think they had this set up pretty well actually, where they, you know, the MLB drafts a lot about money and your uh bonus pool. So they underslotted Rocker and by you know a couple million dollars and were able to get Brock Porter, who was you know one of the best prep pitchers in the class at 109. So they saved that money to go that route. You know, I wonder how far Rocker would have fallen if they hadn't gone that high on him, but he did release his medicals, which I know, I'm not sure I ever made it public, but he did release his medicals with a team about a week before the draft, and obviously they were clean. If the Rangers wanted to go that high on him and pay him that kind of money, because you know the, the Mets were ready to right offer him about six million last year before the medicals came up, like that was the slot value there that you know he was looking to get, and he obviously hit me his price tag. So he got a little bit less this year, but it's not a huge concern for him probably because he was a third overall pick and still getting five plus million dollars. It'll be interesting to see. I think rockers has got really good stuff. You know, fastball slider, really good. The slider's a really good pitch. They're gonna give him every chance to start, and he could be one of the quicker starting pitchers to make his debut just because he's you know a polished college arm. Hopefully the injuries are behind him at this point, but he had a, a really solid career, as you mentioned, at Vanderbilt. Jack Leiter's teammate now reunited once again in Texas, which is is fun. So see those guys back on the mound together. And I'll be curious, like, where do they start him? Like, are they aggressive in his assignment and see what he can do in, like, double-A? I mean, we saw the Rangers do that with with Leiter, even though Leiter didn't debut until this season. He, he basically set out all of last year after being drafted. So that'll be fun to follow. I'm I'm curious to see where he is at this point. We saw him look really good in an independent league, but I'd like to see him against some minor league hitters and see what he's got going on. But, yeah, that was a big surprise to see him go number three, honestly about you eric yeah no i echo a lot of, of
3: what chris just said I and mean, uh, you know rocker I'm there's no denying there's a lot of talent there everybody i talked to that had a chance to see him live in one of his starts for tri city in the northwest league you know, I said he looked really good you know velocity was there slider looked sharp but at the same time i, I still think he's have a pretty good career and be an impact player for fantasy i do think just in terms of your your first year player drafts for your for dynasty leagues he's gonna go way too high you know Draft pick, you know where they where these guys are taken shouldn't factor in at all, not even point one percent. But it always kind of does. And his, you know, going number third overall, I think people will be like, oh, he's a uh, he's a top ten FYPD guy. I even saw, I forget, it was one of the bigger you know sport, maybe it was Yahoo. I don't want to say, I don't know who it was, but I saw there was an article saying, you know, top ten fantasy guys taken on the first day of the draft. And I didn't actually open it, but the picture was of Kumar Rocker. So I'm assuming he was in the article. So you see, it's already being a little bit overblown for for fantasy purposes. Obviously, I think he's very good and it's no denying the talent, but he's not a top 10 FYPD guy for me. Let me pull up my rankings real quick here. I think he's around 20. I think that's fair, 20 to 25 uh, in that range. This is a lot of good bats this year, both prep and college bats. You know, there's not a lot of elite college bats, but there's a lot of good ones like Jace Young jacob barry kevin parada gavin cross so on and so forth so i think he gets pushed down a bit so if i could get him near 15 to 20 range maybe you know i can go the upside there but i got a feeling he's gonna go a lot higher than that and i just can't do that price tag
1: Awesome. I'm, I'm glad to have this little chat with you guys because, you know, if if this were to happen last year and he was third overall and healthy, he'd be so high up first year player awesome. drafts, he, he'd already yeah. be gone. But obviously, but um, <laughs> it's just it, it's funny because that hype train coming out of Vandy, like I said before, like. I like college ball. I love it. I just have only so much time in the day. I can't focus right. on all this other stuff. It's like, I'll have it on the background once in a while. And you couldn't miss Kumar at Vanderbilt. Even if you didn't watch the game, they were, they were actually showing highlights of him on NLB Network because it was that good. And so when the whole drama happened with the Mets and then he went to the independent league and his team still go third overall, it could give that false kind of narrative, like you're saying, that people kind of might have the wrong impression. So it's, it's a good point both of you guys made on Kumar on that one um Eric we'll hop back to you real quick on this and I'll get Chris's thoughts um just looking at, like team perspectives I already kind of said you know Jones and Carroll, and they, they I know they have a couple other hitters in their system who really knocked it out of the park in potentially improving their system like in a really like who were the big winners I guess that's the easy way to say winners and losers of the draft but who really dominated this draft to help them going forward I
3: like what the the Mets did here they kind of had Kevin Parada Fall into their lap at pick 11, and he, you know, Georgia Tech guy, four year guy, huge. He's not really much defender, and we'll see. So, we'll see where he ends up. They also have Francisco Alvarez, obviously. So, maybe he moves over to like a first base DH type of guy long term, but this is a legit like great bat, like plus hit, plus power, potential, you know, 270, 280 type of hitter, maybe even higher, 25 plus home runs. So, I think he's a guy that he's another guy that could probably fly quickly to see how much they want to push him. Uh, but he could be a guy that, that kind of flies up through the system pretty quickly. Then they had Jet Williams three picks later. You know, he's he's a little undersized, kind of like a Jose Altuve sized guy. But it's a nice, solid blend of you know hit, tool, speed, and they also they're they're the ones that got uh, they got Blake Tidwell, who is Ben Joyce's teammate at Tennessee. They got him pick fifty two overall. He's like a pretty good arm. You know, another guy Nick Morabito, um, a high school outfielder. He's got some pretty he's pretty toolsy. So I think they did a really good job there of kind of replenishing a system that was very top heavy you know it, it was the big guys you got brett Beatty, mauricio alvarez you know you could kind of throw vientos in there but after that it kind of you know dropped off pretty far so i like what they did in you know, getting all these guys into their system and i think seattle had a pretty solid draft as well no like huge standout names but cole young is a pretty solid prep shortstop that doesn't get talked about enough. He's not super flashy, but solid guy. Tyler Locklear, third baseman from VCU, is pretty. I like him as well. Uh, they got him in re- round two, and then Walter Ford, I think, uh, is one of the more underrated prep arms from this class. Uh, they got him in the uh, competitive balance B round, so right after the second round, pick seventy-four overall. I think he was considered by many to be like a top fifty, top even top forty talent. In this draft, so uh, first two I like look at. I was Arizona, the phenomenal as well. Arizona, you know, outside of you know, what they got with Drew Jones, they also got Landon Sims from Mississippi State. You know, one of the better you know, collegiate arms in this class. And they also got Ivan Melendez, who first baseman from Texas, very underrated guy can hit for power, can hit for average. And think he's to be a guy that people are gonna really like in a, in a very short time for for dynasty league. So Arizona, Mets, Seattle. I'll probably forgetting
2: one, but those three off the top of my head. What about you, Chris? Yeah, I've got two different ones, and I'll say I love Seattle's class, and I think Tyler Locklear's one of the most underrated hitters in the class. I think he's going to be a great buy in FYPDs. But on the other note, uh, Houston, their system is not good at all because they haven't had picks because of the scandal. (laughs) They haven't had international money, so their system is pretty horrific. But they finally were back in the first round. This was the first time since 2019 they had a 1st and second-round pick, and I thought they knocked it out of the park getting Drew Gilbert uh, from Tennessee. He – is a masher. I mean, power speed combo here, where we didn't really see him steal a ton, but this year at Tennessee, but he does have it in the profile. Good field to hit. I mean, he slashed 362, 455, 673 last year at Tennessee with 11 home runs. I like that profile a lot. And they got Jacob Melton in the second round, where he was a first round talent. He fell to 64. And Melton's out of Oregon State, who hit 360 and had a 671 slug. 17 home runs and 21 stolen bases last year. So two of these power speed guys that I like a lot that I've got both rated significantly higher for fantasy purposes, at least because the bats are, are really good and are going to play up. Gilbert's one of my favorite college bats in the class. that doesn't get talked about enough. And I think Jacob Melton is very solid as well. So those two picks really knocked it out and their next two picks and Andrew Taylor and Michael Knorr were both really good SPS with upside I like those as well. And you, you can't go without saying what Baltimore did was really good. Obviously. Oh, yeah. I knew I got get somebody. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> getting Holiday at one is whatever. But then you get Dylan Beavers, who was a first round talent out of Cal. You get Max Wagner out of Clemson, who is a huge master. I think he hit 27 home runs last year. He's, and I think he's another underrated bat as well. And also Judd Fabian. I think people still underrate Fabian. I'm not sure why. I mean, Fabian is what he is at this point. I think he's, you know, got good power. He's a pretty solid athlete as well. And so those three bats were really good, and they got some good arms later as well. So be interesting to see if they can sign them all. I'm sure they sign all those the first, you know, the college guys I mentioned at first. But some of the later rounds, I'll be interested to see as well if they can sign some of the the preps they got. But Baltimore's class was extremely good, and I love as I mentioned Houston's first two picks and even even their sec- their third and fourth round guys.
1: It's it's good to hear because, um, at least Houston's Houston, but uh, you have like Seattle, Baltimore, these teams that are running, right? Now, like they're they're on win streaks. They're actually starting to perform well, If they can keep building the youth movement going through there. Like that's for baseball fans in general. That's great. Fancy fans, it works out too. But it'd be nice to get some new blood out, out and about instead of the same thing over and over because they won't have to like buy their team so much is what I'm trying to say. So that would be fun to see um, how that all plays out. Before we move on to some current MLB players, and that might have some dynasty impacts, of course, do you guys have any final thoughts on the MLB draft? I know you guys got your first-year player rankings coming out pretty soon, and people can look forward to those. But any other final MLB draft uh, thoughts, starting with you, Chris?
0: Fads come and go, and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom has created weight management programs that are made to last. Noom uses science and personalization, so you can manage your weight for the long term. Ninety-eight percent say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. So stop chasing health trends and join the millions who have lost weight with Noom. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today.
2: Oh, not in particular, but uh, you know we've talked about it a lot. Eric and I talked about it on Toolshed episode on Sunday from a fantasy perspective at least, but yeah, it's always fun to follow. As I mentioned, it's always fun to get these guys into rankings. So it's, you know, this time at this point we've watched a lot, read a lot. So I've been trying to dig on some of the lower guys as well, but yeah, there's some, there's some fun names, especially some later. Like, I don't know why Ivan Melendez is still, you know, not getting the love that he deserves. I mean, he had a monster year in Texas and he just seemingly, I mean, going to Arizona, I think is a great spot for him. And there's minimal holes to prick in his game at this point. Like it's not like he was old by any means. This year is 22, and he just mashed me. Hit 387 at Texas, 32 home runs, like 500 plus OBP. I mean, sounds pretty good to me. Yeah, I, <laughs> Melendez just hit all year and against good competition. So I think he's going to be pretty underrated for fantasy purposes. But I'm going to be drafting a lot of him in FYPD's. I mentioned Max Wagner out of Clemson. He's another one who went to Baltimore. I think he's pretty underrated. There's there's some really good names later in the draft, like outside of these top names, I think have a chance to be really good. I mentioned Tyler Locklear. I like a lot, you know, all of his metrics are extremely good. And there's some talented prep pitchers too, like Dylan Lesko, who had Tommy John this spring, but I think he was arguably the best pitcher in the class before. So maybe he falls a little bit in FYPDs because he had F or because he had the Tommy John surgery, which I'm actually good with. Like he already got it out of the way. So I think most pitchers have it at some point. So you know, there's just some fun names and we'll probably discuss those more in depth as, as we move on and, you know, really dive in this class. But yeah, lots of like in this draft class, honestly. What about you, Eric?
3: Am I allowed to just rant about how upset I was with my Red Sox draft class for the next half go an hour? It. Is, is that okay? It's the, upset, guys.
1: Well, I'm about to cut off the episode anyways, because none of you guys talked about the giants. So I'm very <laughs> angry about that, but no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, but if you, if you want to go on about the Red Sox, go for it. Cause I know Red Sox <laughs> nation doesn't complain about anything ever. So
3: no, no, we, we never do not. I'll, <laughs> I'll save that for another time, but it, yeah, it was just a really fun draft. A lot of good talent at the top. This is, you know, been a, started as a, a loaded class for a while now uh a couple other names real quick some of the names in, in the first round guys chase the louder is a top five FYPD guy for me that probably won't go there so if you can get him you know anywhere from pick seven on it's an absolute steal i think he's power speed you know he'd hit he'd more walks than strikeouts just kind of similar to colton Cowser last year it's like oh he didn't think of him a huge school he doesn't have the the competition of like the sec or or whatever with the james madison which I, I don't even know what conference that is the coastal athletic colonial? Soci- yeah, colonial. 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 colonial yeah, yes, thought, yeah. yeah it's a, again not a big school but he's i think he's gonna be an absolute stud i love uh jason Lauder, and it's an, another fun second generation player justin crawford went 18th overall to the uh, philadelphia phillies and he's kind of a uh, a little clone of his father obviously i'm not saying he's a big carl crawford but you know, elite speedster, you know, solid feel for hitting a little bit of power. See where that comes along, but he could be a, a very exciting player if everything clicks as well. So, yeah, those are a couple of the guys I love.
1: Man, each year, there's more and more kids of players I grew up watching. Right? And it just, it's freaking, man. It makes you feel I, old, huh? <laughs> I'm already bald and grain. Like, I don't – like—it's ridiculous. Like, I, I still laugh at like, a different subject, but I was at LeBron's first game because we played the Kings, and mm-hmm. my mom worked there so we had tickets. And that was, like, over – like was it 20 years ago now or something? Like, yeah, two, field two, by, 2003, yeah. It's freaking ridiculous. It's just, like, <laughs> it's, it's not even cool anymore. But, uh, yeah, it's, I digress. Different story. But um, yeah, it's it's fun to see these these I I call them kids because they are kids. But um, to see them come up like when you know Matt Holliday's kid, you mentioned Crawford's kid, Andrew Jones' kid. And there's more coming. Like you see the pictures online. There's uh, Manny Ramirez and David Ortiz and all their kids playing together and stuff. It's it's crazy to see what yep. someday we're gonna have like an All Star game of Bichette and all these dudes and Varito and all of them. It's just like. Wild, wild stuff. But that's, a, again, that could be a fun conversation when we're watching Joey Weimer uh, drop bombs some other time. But um, or I heard it's Weimer, actually. I think I've been it's, pronouncing it. It, it is Weimer, yeah, yeah. I've been doing it wrong the whole time, but <laughs> I might just I might just stick with it because he's my son. So it's okay. I'm allowed <laughs> to say these things. But, you you um, call him whatever you want, Bubba. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. That was so much fun. But um, all right, let's talk about some current young players that are tearing it up, or like I said, maybe struggling, but we still have high hopes for them potentially. And it's hard – I didn't like have a specific order to this, but I had to start at least with J. Rod. Julio Rodriguez has been just absolutely ridiculous. He started out slow, but we We like anybody with a brain saw the plate discipline was fine. He was getting squeezed. It was a rough deal. He's hitting 275 at the break with 16 home runs and 21 stolen bases. If he finished the year hitting 275 with 16 and 21, we'd all be like, good, good first season. Like, cool. Yep. Good stuff, kid. Um, he's just, uh, he's unconscious, is the way I look at it. And he just seems like every game. It's something new, it feels like, with him. He saw the home run derby. He's just a kid having fun, and I love everything about it. So, Eric, we'll start with you. Um, What's your thoughts on him going forward? I know there's been discussions already, like, even in not just Dynasty, like he's a first-round pick going in regular redrafts next year. Dynasty, Dynasty, some are saying he's the number one guy. Like, obviously, there's Acuna and Soto's and Tatis's, but he's moved up ladders like crazy. So, what's your thoughts on J-Rod?
3: Man, he absolutely has. It's funny, Chris and I were just talking about him over on Toolshed, which we were recording before we came on here with you. And yeah, I think I tweeted this the other day. I do think he's top five for Dynasty right now. I think there's that top tier. You, you can argue the order. Obviously, there's no like clear-cut order right now like there kind of has been in years past. But I think it's Soto, it's Tatis, it's Acuna, it's J-Rod. And then if you have Dual Otani, I think obviously he's up there as well. And then there's this second tier of like Trey Turner, Joe Ram, Tucker, Jordan, Vlad, you know, those types of guys. So, man, yeah, yeah, like you said, if he had these stats right now, end of season, yeah, great season. But we still got, what, two and a half months of baseball left in front of us here, another, what, 65, 70 games or whatever it is. Now, there's a chance that he could go – 30, 40, that is definitely within their own possibility. Yep. And it's funny, like, obviously, Bobby Witt, Jr. having a great season as well, but it's just getting completely overshadowed because J-Rod, like you said, is unconscious right now. Look at, he was the most, he, he didn't win the Derby, but he was probably the most, I think, the most exciting player in the Derby with all the bombs. He had back-to-back 30-plus homer rounds, like the power. We, we knew the bat was elite, that, you know, the ability to hit for average, get on base, the power, and then he's just showing, like, hey, I'm just going to you know, shove 30 steals down your throat, and you're just going to accept it. So this is a potential 30-30 guy, high average, BP. He's at least top five. And next year, yeah, he's bare minimum top ten, I got to think. And if he, if he keeps this up, man, top five, top three, I, the sky's the limit with this guy.
1: He's doing what we thought Ronald Acuna would do. Like this is we we like 30 thirty thirty guy with forty forty upside like J Rod's showcasing that potentially and it's it's wild to see and there was a funny thing for the Derby because I think he's the first guy to ever have thirty plus in two rounds so far and someone tweeted it out and again I'm not bringing politics into the show but I thought it was funny someone said j-rod won the popular vote soto won the electoral college i thought that was very funny i thought that was very very funny because if you think about it that was that was good so uh, that, that's
3: pretty accurate to, yeah i was like that's, pretty,
1: funny. that's that's good. pretty impressive but uh chris what's your thoughts on j-rod because it's i guess pretty simple in the long run but what's what's the ceiling for this guy like what are we what are we thinking here
2: yeah it's pretty crazy to think that you know it's easy 30 30 potential he's somebody that got faster as he got bigger, which is yeah. goes totally against everything you think. When you think about, you Didn't know, work for me, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like, he added strength and weight and literally got faster. Like he's a true 70 grade runner. Savant sprint speeds, 97th percentile. Like everybody thinks that he may tail off, you know, as far as the stolen bases, but I don't really think that I think he's going to run for you know, the foreseeable future. The power is really undeniable. And the contact skills have gotten better. I mean, the strikeout rates turned it downward since May 1st. I mean, he's slashing 293, 351, 535, 16 home runs, 12 stolen bases. So he's doing literally anything you can ask for. And he's performing at such a high level. It's hard to argue against him being a top five dynasty guy. I think he's an easy call for a first rounder in redraft. If we were drafting a redraft league right now for next year, yeah, 100% with you on that one. It's, it's crazy. Like, I'm glad I, I I do a FOMO
1: draft. My last draft every year in NFBC, I do a FOMO. So I was like, okay, I made a point. I was pushing Bobby Wood up. I was pushing J-Rod up. I was making sure to get Buxton. like All these guys, like, it worked for a while for Buxton, but just having J-Rod on just one team, it just makes life so much better checking your team all the time. It's just like, oh, this is freaking great. I wish I wasn't such a wuss early on. But um, yeah, it's, it's pretty wild to see. Um, Bobby Witt Jr., you guys have mentioned him. I got him second on the list here. And like you said, he's having a great year, hitting 254, 13 homers, 17 stolen bases. Again, if he finished the season with this, we'd be like, cool, good first season. Like, good stuff. He could be a, you know, a potential 25-30 guy, maybe 30-30 if he runs hot. You never know. It's wild to see what he's even doing there. And only one rookie of the year, unfortunately, can come out of the AL. Uh so Chris, what's your thoughts on Bobby Witt? Because <laughs> He's been beasting. He obviously has shortstop and third-base eligibility, which is huge going forward because shortstop's so deep still. uh, So he might kind of get a little overshadowed in that uh, situation. But what's your thoughts on Bobby Witt?
2: Yeah, he's another one where he's gotten better as the season progressed. And this is what you expect. I mean, we're talking about both young guys. I mean, Julio's 21 and Bobby Witt just turned 22. So this is kind of what you expect as as you get better throughout the season is your first taste of Major League ball. Not the case for every prospect, but these are kind of otherworldly types. You know, Witt didn't hit a home run in the first month of the season, but since May, he has been tearing it up. All 13 home runs have come since May 2nd. He's had 13 steals over that time and, you know, hitting 270 over that time as well. So another thing where the average is coming up, strikeouts going down, and the power speed's really undeniable. And like Eric said, I do think he's getting completely overshadowed by what J-Rod's doing, but this is another legit top 10 talent because of the power speed – are really undeniable and he's proving that he can hit for average as well as he has you know over the last couple of months, really stepping up his game and striking out less, which I think is, is huge. And what you want to see, obviously out of a young player that's getting their first taste of major league ball.
1: Yeah, most definitely, Eric, you have any more to add on Bobby Witt jr.
2: Yeah. You know,
3: like I, I've mentioned before, like the reason why I, you know, th- these guys are basically one a and one B in my prospect rankings. The reason why one a quote unquote was Witt for me, I thought he'd have, you know, around eight to ten more steals then again j-rod's like nope you're not going to have that still base advantage on me and i think j-rod is the you know slightly better bat overall you need to have a little more average a little more power so if he's going to run the exact same amount as wit and Witt has a hundred percentile sprint he's like he's been killing it as well it kind of reminds me of you know back in um you know like 2001 the last time we've had this like huge two huge rookies like it was each row and pools so obviously they are different leagues so they each were able to win those those awards but just to have two guys like this absolutely dominate and we, we've had some big rookie promises before but just have two guys like i said at 25 30 pace like we'd be talking about wit like we are about j-rod if j-rod wasn't going and doing what j-rod's doing so okay. yeah I, I think you know i think j-rod's top five dynasty right now or easy first round pick next year i think wit's top 10 dynasty and you know, potentially a first round pick next year as well. He was already what, like, what was his ADP this year? It was like in the sixties, seventies. I think it maybe turned off the eighties or something like that. But, I think
1: by I think by the end of draft season, it was creeping into some like third roundish in certain leagues. Yeah, he, he then was then, creeping it kept, up.
3: Yeah, and then it kept going up. So, uh, yeah, obviously with already being there before any at bats at all, and now doing what he's doing, assuming he's going sort to of end of the year, you know, doing same similar stuff. Maybe twenty-five thirty in that ballpark. I think thirty-thirty is also in the in the realm of possibility. Yeah, I think he's first round as well. It's gonna be fun. These guys, these two guys are always gonna be linked. You know, we always have the, those duos every handful of years that are always late, like Trout and Harper, you know, guys like that. So this would be fun to see these two absolutely dominate for the next, you know, 10, 15 plus years, or whatever it is.
1: No doubt about it. Another uh, stud that was actually when draft season started was getting drafted way ahead of Wit and J Rod. It felt like at times Wit maybe still had a little bit more helium on this one, but J Rod wasn't really in the conversation. And that's O'Neill Cruz of the Pittsburgh Pirates. They did the Pirates thing and held him down for a while, but uh, they, they brought him up and he's it's been a mixed bag. Like he's hitting 204, four homers, four stone bases, been caught three times. So, you know, he's four for seven. I guess the positive he's running, but not successfully all the time. But the big problem is he's still striking out a ton. There is a lot of swing and miss in that profile. And, again, he's young. Things can change. He's got a big swing. So, Eric, when you're looking at Neil Cruz, what's your thoughts here? Because it's one of those we know when he hits the ball, it's amazing. It's a rocket. But, you know, when you're only hitting the ball a handful of times, it it does dwindle things a bit.
3: Yeah, my concern – obviously, Cruz is a phenomenal talent. I think he's got, like, Jazz Chisholm level upside, but – you know that one concern I've always had was pitchers exposing his big frame. I mean, the, the guy's nine foot six, so you're, you're gonna have a bigger strike zone than most. I mean, really, what's he? What's he listed? I think six seven, six eight. I think he's taller than six seven. I, I think that's complete crap. But I would th- say he's six nine. But I'm just yeah, I got
1: six seven, yeah.
3: Yeah, I think he's a little taller than that. But anyway, yeah, guys like that are going to get exposed. And you saw that Judge had a higher K rate early in his career. It took him a while to really learn how to succeed with that. Game. Obviously, Judge has turned into you know one of the best hitters in the game. Obviously, so you got to wonder, you know, can Cruz make those adjustments? Obviously, the power's there, speeds there. He's got a cannon for an arm, but is he going to be able to learn how to control that bigger zone? Obviously, major league pitchers are going to expose it. They already have. Like you mentioned the K rate which is currently, uh, what was that? I was looking at 36.5%. It was at 44%. Those those just a, couple, a few games last year. But yeah, 36.5% this year overall for his career, 37.2. He's not walking a lot either. But he's only got four home runs, four steals, and 104 play appearances. That's still pretty good right there. So I think it's all about him adjusting back. Like Pitchers have already made that adjustment very quickly to him. Now he has to do the same. That's that adjustability for every young player, him a little quicker for him, but I still think the upside's there. But maybe, you know, the average isn't the high. Maybe he's more of like a 250 guy, but one that could hit, you know, 25, 30 home runs and steal 15, 20 bases, something like that. So it's easy to adjust, but I still have some some high hopes for him long term.
1: What about you, Chris? You uh, still have some high hopes for Neil Cruz as well?
2: Yeah, and I, I kind of like, Take on the same concerns Eric mentioned. The The levers are really long. It's easy for him to you know, expand the strikes on and already big strikes on at that. His biggest issue is just he's not swinging at pitches in the zone. His his zone swing percentage is 50%. League average is 69%. And you know, he's, when he swings out of the zone, it's not good. His his zone contact is really good, so he's like selective and making the contact on the pitches that he wants. But the bigger issue is just swinging more in the zone when you're getting those pitches to hit. And, you know, he's getting a lot of swing and miss from pitches out of the zone as well. So that's kind of been the issue. You know, his so O swings really high and the O contacts, you know, 10 11% below league average, which is pretty notable. And I think those long levers just have something to do with it. And it's easy at his age to get exposed. It's a little easier, I think, when you're in the minors to get away with your size and that big strike zone. But now when you get in these professional pitchers, they can expose you a little easier. So, you know, that'll be the big question mark. Like what kind of, contact does he make what what kind of average can he hit for there's no denying the power speed but you know he, is he going to be able to hit for average i guess is the biggest question
1: yeah well, we can all hope because he's a he's a joy to watch out there that's for darn sure so hope we can see that detroit tigers riley green was going to start the season with them and then he got hurt and now he's back and he's uh, got two home runs one seal got caught three times walks a decent amount of the time which is good to see he's hitting 252 leading off for the tigers pretty much every day so he's getting the reps which we want to see uh Chris so what are your thoughts on him because there were some very high expectations
2: coming into the season and he's one that i, I wouldn't i'm not kind of surprised that he hasn't i would say he's performed okay like to expectation obviously when you see what j rod and Witt have done as the other two top prospects like they're ex, far exceeding expectations so i think people are are down on what greens doing right now but i'm actually not i mean he's hitting you know 252 as you mentioned two home runs of steal I don't think he's going to be a huge stolen base threat, honestly. I think that we got a little spoiled with that, with what he did in Double A last year. So I think maybe we're looking at at least he's running, but I think we're looking at more of like a, a ten stolen base threat. I do think the power is legitimate, and overall, I'm pretty pleased. He's making good contact. His zone contact's really good. He's not chasing a lot, which is you know impressive out of a 21 year old rookie. So those are encouraging signs so far, even though the results probably haven't been. You know, what most people want, he's not striking out at a high rate. He's walking at a good rate, showing good discipline. And he's hit the ball fairly hard as well. So I think overall I've been pleased with with what he's done. But I, I think maybe people are a little bit down on what he's done. And so I think it's kind of a prime time to to go trade for him, at least in a Dynasty League.
1: You on the buy low train as well, Eric?
2: I am, yeah. But one thing I, I am
3: concerned by, same thing with Spencer Torkelson is – Just that ballpark. We've seen how it limits power, and Green is a good but not great power guy. Like he, you could say he's got plus raw, but he's not like this elite, you know, Judge Stanton, Jay raw type of basher. Where I was like, I don't think he's ever going to hit forty, but I thought he could be a twenty five, maybe near thirty home run guy. But you got to wonder, is he more like an eighteen to twenty homer guy in America? Same with Torque. You got to wonder. Is torque more of a twenty, you know, loaded mid twenties guy, home run guy, as opposed to a third little mid thirties home run guy? So that park, we saw that limited Cassiano. so it's done with Javi Baez this year and, and countless others. So that kind of factors in a, a bit here, but I definitely by law, like Green is a very good player, even if that's limited a little bit. Let's say he's twenty home runs. I, think I agree with Chris on the species. I think he still get like five, six, steals, something like that. Good average, it'll be 270, 280 type of hitter, high OBP, 350 plus. So that's still a, a pretty good, like, it's like a top borderline top 100 guy you know, long-term. I just want to see how how the power looks. I think it's going to be the X factor. To you know, Can it be good for fantasy or can he be great for fantasy?
1: Yeah, it'll, it'll be fun to see how that one transitions. Detroit's got something brewing there. So with a lot of young talent, just got to make it work in the ballpark. Just might be the forever hindrance. So we'll have to see how that plays out. Uh, Adley Rushman, everybody was – Hyped for Adley Rushman coming into the season. Um, finally got the call. Hitting 222, but he's starting to swing it pretty good of late. Five homers, even one stolen base. Is he still your uh, top fantasy catcher when it comes to dynasty? Eric, or yeah. at least young young players. I know there's probably other better catchers, but yes.
3: Yeah, no, I, I think he, he definitely has to be. Like, there's some others in the range, but you know, like, look at some of the ones that were considered, you know, in that range to start the year. You know, you look at Will Smith, he's been eh, all right this year. You know, Alejandro Kirk has come on in a huge way, but I don't think he's quite up there with Adley yet. Varsho started pretty good. He's kind of tailed off. So, and obviously, you know, to get some of the older guys that aren't really into this conversation anymore, like Riamuto. You know, Contreras has been very good, but he's 30 years old. Salvi Perez hurt again. 32 was even doing that well anyway when he was on the field. So I kind of, you know, process of elimination, it's still Adley, even though he's, you know, hasn't been the greatest right now. But I really believe in the skills there. He's one of the, you know, best all around catchers we've seen in a long time, since you know, maybe like Maurer and Posey. Like that's how good this guy can be. He can be an MVP candidate year in, year out. I like what Baltimore's doing, especially offensively. I think this would be a very good lineup. Obviously, that park for for righties can be a hindrance, but, you know, obviously, you know, Worshwin being you know, a lefty also uh, doesn't really, he's not going to be affected too much by that left field wall. So, uh, yeah, I think he's going to be a annual, you know, number one, number two catcher year in, year out. And, you know, he's a guy that could be a top 30, top 40. I, I don't usually go top 25 on any catcher. So, you know, top 30, top 40 is kind of like that, the max out for, for these guys. But I think he can definitely get there. Like I said, he's one of the best catchers I think we've seen in a long time.
1: Chris, when are we drafting
2: Adley Rushman over the likes of JTR? Maybe next year. I mean, Maybe. JT hasn't had a great year. I know yeah. he's kind of come on a little bit, but, you know, as you mentioned, Rushman's come on strong. His last 100 plate appearances, five home runs, a stolen base, you know, 11% walk rate, 16% strikeout rate over that time, and he's got a 261 average and a 560 slug over those last 100 plate appearances as well. The plate discipline is really good. His contact skills are elite. And he's shown that throughout his Major League career. But over those last 100 plate appearances, 86% um, O contact, which is really good, 90% overall contact, and 92.2% zone contact. So those are really elite numbers. It's 4.2% swinging strike rate. So the contact skills are excellent here, and he's got really good power too. So the average is going to come up. Like It's just a matter of time, in my opinion, because the Babbitt was was really low that he's running. It's, It's slowly turning upwards putting the ball in play a lot, you know, hitting solid line drives. I'm really expecting him to to be one of the top catchers in redraft next year, but I don't think he'll be valued as such unless he just has a monster second half. I
1: think after what we've seen this year too, I think people are going to be even more timid to take catchers early. So that could could factor in as well. Uh, We're going to hop around a little bit here. Let's have a little Italian breakfast for dinner. Vinny Pascantino, everyone was waiting for him to come up. He's arrived. It's been an interesting start. It's like a mixed bag, depending on what you look at. You know, 208, not ideal, but three homers, to, uh, uh, 139 ISO, but the BABIP's very low. The plate discipline is very, very solid for a young bat. He's hitting the ball extremely hard. I'm not going to say it feels like J-Rod, but it looks a lot like how J-Rod started out. I going to say, like a lot of similarities there. I still think J-Rod's better. Not going to be silly about that, but I, I, my point is there should be optimism. So what are your, what's your thoughts on this one, Chris? Uh, does it feel like we just got to wait it out, and uh, it could be another Bobby Witt situation in Kansas City where he starts figuring it out, or is it maybe he might get sent back down and Nick Prado gets a shot?
2: Yeah, I don't. I think Pasquantino here to stay. I mean, Prado got a shot, you know, when they went to Toronto and lost all those guys, and they already sent him back. But Pasquantino here to stay. The contact skills, as as you mentioned, are really, really good. They're they're Adley level and low Babbitt type thing right now, where that's going to come up. All the plate discipline skills are good and the power is insane. He's hitting the ball extremely hard. Small sample, but when you have a 95 mile-an-hour average, exavilo over 58 batted balls, that should be something to be excited about as well. And there's a pretty healthy, you know, ground ball and fly ball distribution. Just want to see him hit a little bit more line drives. And I think that's probably the key to his batting average going up. You know, his line drive rate right now, 17%. That's never who he's been in the minors. So if that does trend upward, then you know we're going to see the average trend up, and and there's certainly home run power in the profile. So I'd be very excited about Vinny P and you know the Italian breakfast, the Italian nightmare, whatever you want to call him. He's a really good player that's you know highly underrated still. I think.
1: What about you, Eric? Are you still uh, hanging on for some Italian breakfast?
2: Absolutely. And first up,
3: Italian nightmare feels like a WWE wrestling name, doesn't <laughs> yes. it? Like yep. coming out from the royal Rumble, Italian nightmare I can see wonder that. wonder what his
1: finishing move would be is it like uh, spicy meet the ball or like <laughs> well, I don't know, that'd be fun to figure out.
3: Or, or his like submission moves like the garlic knot or something like yeah that. like that was the legs somehow something yeah, like that that'd be awesome Perfect. That, that, that that's a fun conversation we, we should table that come back to that another time that, that seems
1: like a sixth inning <laughs> of a f pass game when we have nothing going on conversation <laughs> Yes,
3: absolutely <laughs> but yeah with Vinny P yeah obviously Vinny P is never gonna have 40 steals. I think that's safe to say, like J-Rod could because Vinny P is slow, but 14th percentile sprint speed, by the way. But look at some metrics. Obviously, like the surface stats aren't great. You mentioned them, but look at some of the uh, under-the-hood metrics, especially with the quality of contact and the approach, 13.8% bail rate, 95 mile an hour average exit velocity, 60.3. Yes, 660.3% hard hit rate, 10.8% walk rate, 16% K rate. Those are all very encouraging. X stats are good as well. So, yeah, I, I really th- – I'm very much a believer in Vinny P. I think he's going to be a top 10, maybe, dare I say, borderline top five fantasy first baseman long-term. Obviously not this year, but you know maybe years three or so. I think he could be a guy that hits 280, 290, maybe 300 some years, 25, 30 home runs, plenty of counting stats in the middle of that lineup that's gonna be probably pretty damn good in Kansas City moving forward a lot of young talent there like we've talked I've talked about Witten and, and, and Prado and others Melendez as well so I think he's going to be a, a very good four category guy that you know could be like a top 50 guy annually once he gets settled in I think it could be pretty quick I think he's gonna have a, a very good second half of the season
1: and if the Royals could just figure out their pitching staff, they got the bats right. for days on that team. My goodness. Um, yeah. I'm just going to group the Cardinals together here. You got Nolan Gorman, who there was high hopes for, but still a lot of swing and miss. We have Juan Yepes, who's had some highs and lows this year. Technically, you could put Brendan Donovan in there too if you want because he's the one that's kind of come out of nowhere and been more fantasy relevant consistently, at least, I guess, than the others. So I'll start with you, Eric. How do you kind of look at those three? At least, I don't know if you want to say long-term, maybe just this season, because some of these guys are on the wire. Like At least Yepes has been back and forth. Donovan's been back and forth. um, And these guys could be in the minors before we know it at the same time. So how do you kind of look at this uh, St. Louis situation? Yeah, I'll start with Gorman. He's kind of performed... Pretty close to how I expected.
3: And we saw that coming up through the minor leagues. The power was always there. You know, it took a little bit to materialize in games. It's was more like a raw power over game power type until, you know, obviously recently. But he's again nine home runs and 181 plate appearances. And hard hit rates, a tick under 40%, 396 14.2% barrel rate is very solid. But he's also got 30.9% K rate. And that's always kind of been uh, his Achilles heel. He's always been too much swing and miss to his game, even back. You now when he when he first you know debuted after the 2019 draft or 2018 draft I forget what year he was in one of those two years, but so I wonder is he I've always thought is he more of like a you know a 250 you know guy with 25 to 30 home runs he, I think he could be 30 plus but maybe you know, the contact skills do limit him a bit you know look at some of the he's got a 74.3 percent zone contact rate not the greatest 32 percent chase rate 34 and a half percent whiff rate you know all of those aren't that good. So, yeah, I don't think he's more than like a 250-ish hitter, but the power could be there, especially, you know, as a second baseman that could be very valuable uh, moving forward. And, and then Juan Yepes, I've always kind of liked Juan Yepes, and we saw him last year out uh, in the AFL. And the numbers, you know, haven't been the greatest. But 11 home runs, 254 in 228 player appearances, you know, that's, that's okay. 10% bail rate, 34.4% hard hit rate. But I wonder if maybe he's got pushed a little too high. I think it's still too early to say – that he's you know can't reach the you know the level that we thought he could, but you know I think he's actually not far off from Gorman. So if you want to look for a dynasty buy, I don't think long term these guys are, there's a big gap between these two. I think there's a perceived big gap between the two, just because Nolan Gorman's always had the the bigger prospect name by a fair amount. Even Yepes was even really on the scene until last year. But you know, I think Yepes is 250 ish. Is what I maybe mean, a little less power, but maybe a little more average. So I don't think there's a big gap there. So if you want to go out and get one of these guys in dynasty and get in, get them for a lot cheaper, I
2: would probably go out and try to get one Yipes. I love it. I love it. What about you, Chris? Yeah, I don't disagree. I, I think that they're both going to be. I think this is really who Nolan Gorman is. So I'm not overly surprised. I mean, high barrel rate, good EVs. You know, too many fly balls. Really, his launch angle is pretty high, and that's kind of been. You're hurting him a bit in strikeouts. I think he's like a 250 hitter that hits 30 plus home runs. And that's kind of what he's pacing. I mean, nine home runs over 181 plate appearances. So, you know, close to 30 pace. And Yepes is not that dissimilar. And maybe they're both 250, 260 type guys that hit 30 home runs. So I, I think you're right there where you, you definitely can get the better buy on Yepes, though he is hurt right now. He has a, a grade two strain on his forearm. You know, not sure what how long he'll be out with that, but you know it is worth noting at least. So yeah, I've kind of just it's kind of like met expectations, I guess, for both of these guys. Donovan obviously has exploded past expectations, but not sure if that will continue long term, but you know I do expect Yepes and Gorman to be pretty similar. Max Meyer just got the call uh, recently, and we've been
1: waiting for it forever because he's been just crushing AAA pitching. And it was kind of a mixed bag. Five runs, but also had the strikeouts. You know, he could have been hyped up. A lot of guys have that in their first starts. Um, Looks like he might get a little run here with Miami, but Edward Cabrera is coming back. Braxton Garrett, I think, has been good enough to stick in that rotation for now. Obviously, you know, they're not moving Alcantara anywhere. Um, so, Chris, what's your thoughts on uh, – is it Meyer, Mayer? I could be totally Meyer, doing it wrong. Yeah. Meyer. Uh, what's your thoughts on him? Because some people broke the bank this past week in fab. Some were kind of timid. I was kind of concerned on longevity of sticking
2: in that rotation. But uh, what's your thoughts on him? Well, I'd be surprised if they, you know, send him back at this point. Like, he spent long enough in AAA. I mean, he made the AAA last year to end the season. So – I would be shocked if they sent him back unless the performance is just awful. But with that being said, like I wasn't spending the bank, like breaking the bank on him either, because I do think there are going to be some ups and downs, you know, with his you know, first stint in the major leagues. And you know, I think that's to be expected with a young pitcher, obviously very talented, you know, elite slider, really good fastball as well. But I think that the the big thing will be how much he mixes the change up, or is he just going to be a two pitch guy? You know, maybe he can work as a two pitch guy, but there's a difference in like Spencer Strider two pitch four seam slider than there is with um, Max Meyer just cuz Strider's fastball is you know has so much more velocity but I do think the changeup has some potential and if he irons that out and can throw it 15% of the time like we saw in his last start then that could be pretty healthy for him but we we haven't really seen that in the minors so that'll be the big question mark but I am a big Max Meyer fan and I do think you're going to have your ups and downs, but I think overall he's going to stick and be a really solid you know, arm for
1: you. I think one of my concerns that I talked about with Toby uh, last night, actually, um, is he's he threw, I think that's like 100, 105 pitches or innings last year. And this year he's already close to, I think, 60 or take. So it's like how much farther do they want to press him? Is it 60 more innings this year? Like where are we at? So even if it's 60 innings, that's what – 10 to 12 more starts potentially. So where does that put him in the grand scheme of things? That was my concern, I guess. But Eric, what are your thoughts on Meyer for the rest of the season?
3: Yeah, that's also something you got to look at is, you know, where they're at last year, obviously. And we never know what the, yeah. you know, what the innings pitch progression looks like for team to team, obviously. But that also, you know, you, you can always get, you know, 20, 25. That's usually a very a fair, you know, safe benchmark to go with for a jump. So, yeah, that definitely factors in. I like back a lot. I just don't tend to go big on fab for rookie pitchers like especially at this point in the year we were we've already seen what you know guys like kirby and whatnot went for i was like i knew meyer and on average is gonna be like you know thinking he's a you know a thousand dollar a fab you know probably 150 200 250 in that range and yeah i think i saw him go over 200 in several of my leagues uh but i just i just can't do that i like meyer and all but just it usually takes, obviously, Strider is bucking this trend. But in general, it takes a little bit longer for these pitchers to find their footing than it does with hitters. So, I don't know. Rookie pitchers are just such a crapshoot. E- even guys that I consider a top-five pitching prospect, like Max Meyer, he's definitely top-five for me right now in that four-to-five spot. But I don't know. I just don't go after these guys in general. In, but long-term, I like Max Meyer a lot. I, I, we're talking about him on, on Tool Shed. I think he could be a you know, a good SP three, maybe an SP two, you know, 26, 27% K rate guy, you know, load him in three ERA, that kind of that type of guy. And Miami has been very good with pitching developments with change ups. And like Chris mentioned, he has the makings of a solid changeup. It flashes above average, good movement, good fade. And so he used that about 15% of the time in that, in that debut, which was encouraging, obviously the good, good slider, potentially a good fastball uh, if he locates it well. So yeah, I think there's the makings of a good pitcher here. I just, I wouldn't go all in right now
1: and for redraft at least. You mentioned the fab on pitchers, and I wanted to ask you guys this later, but this is a perfect segue. With your guys' knowledge of the prospect pool, this is one of my problems, like even drafting them. I kind of said I had a FOMO draft to take some of these guys. I'm always concerned because prospects, not many not many will have the big years, especially early on. It takes some time to develop. We even saw with the Bobby Witts like we talked about. It wasn't right away, but the team stuck with them. They figured it out. They got things going. So when these guys get called up, the Nolan Gormans, the Nolan Jones, uh, the pitchers, Eric, we'll start with you. How do you approach that? Do you, are you aggressive? Are you always hesitant? I, it could be obviously just dependent on the situation. But is there the fact that you might know these prospects a little more than the rest of your crew um, make you kind of be different when it comes to them, I guess? How, how do you approach FAB with prospects?
3: Man, My approach has changed drastically over the last like, handful of years. Like you know, Let's go back five years ago. And I was like, "Oh yeah, let's get every big name." It's and that's you know we get drawn in. It's like with the what if, like we don't want this you know, FOMO, we don't want to miss out on. This guy can come up and just like a Strider or a Witt Jr. or J Rod. We don't want to miss out of these guys, but we got to remember that these guys are the exception to the rule. You know, like these guys aren't more prospect. Like we see Torque, we saw Kelnick last year. You know, there's so many guys that have just come up and struggled. And, yeah, you, know, you get some guys that you know they hit the floor running or hit the ground running, I should say, but. Those are guys are, are diamond dozen these days, and I just I can't bid the big bucks. Like maybe I'll I'm more tended to draft like some late round, like you know post pick two hundred. I mean, you know maybe I'll take a shot on like O'Neal Cruz this year or Riley Green, something like that. Those are guys I I would have taken a shot on back in draft, and I think I did on a couple of my teams. But I just know these guys always get overblown, and maybe if it's a situation where I'm good in the standings, got a little more fab than everyone else, you know this time of year you know, I could see, you know, you have that luxury to go out and spend a little bit more uh, just to see if that, if that clicks for that prospect, but I've become a lot more cautious with uh,
1: spending fab over the last couple of years with these guys. What about you, Chris? Cause I'm in the same boat as Eric. I'm very nervous to spend fab on prospects. Very nervous.
2: Yeah. It's kind of the same boat. And, you know, in this year, like I didn't draft me prospects. Like I thought it was going too high and, you know, obviously missed out on that one. And, and J-Rod, being a little better value got some more shares of him but you know spending the big dollars in the big the high draft picks for prospects is is not a direction i want to go in a redraft league just because you, you don't know you, it's a mixed bag and a lot of guys are going to struggle so from that standpoint i'd rather just get more proven guys you know even the older guys are the ones that typically win leagues and we think about upside and everybody thinks well these young prospects are the ones that have the upside but i think Honestly, the upsides in the mid to later round picks are these old, steady performers that just get the job done. Yep. So it's just flipping the thinking about it and knowing, you know, what the appropriate use is of prospects. And even a dynasty league, man, like prospects are just trade chips for me. Like, rarely do I build teams around prospects unless I feel like they're completely untouchable, like a J Rod type, like I felt for the last couple of years. But you know, it's just trading prospects to, to acquire talent that is proven and can help you win.
1: 100% agree. Team boring is not the worst thing to do, um, Chris. I'm just going to group the pitchers together because you have the Shane Baz's, the the Nick Lodolos, the uh, Ronzi Contreras, uh, George Kirby's. We, like we've seen a bunch of them this year. Um, how do you kind of look at them going forward? Because it's been a roller coaster pretty much for all of them. There really has not been a lot of domination outside of Spencer that uh, has made it work. So how are you approaching these guys the rest of the season, or is this kind of a we'll wait till next year for these guys?
2: Yeah, it's almost a wait till next year type thing. Like, yeah, and, you know, they could, some of these guys could come up and have, you know, good starts and a a stretch of good starts at that. But, you know, I'm not confident enough to spend a lot of fab on these guys if they are available or even, you know, keeping them on a roster spot if they're just not producing. You know, it's like you said, it's a mixed bag you're going to get. And which is why I didn't really go hard after Max Meyer. But I do think that it generates a good buying time in dynasty leagues. And then it does create a good, potential value for redraft the following year when these guys do come up and just don't have the results that you expect because we know the talents there. We've seen the talent in the minor. So you know what they're capable of. You've seen the pitch mix. And really that's the thing with, with pitching prospects, you know, everybody, there's no such thing as a pitching prospect. That's the the famous saying, and it's true to an extent, but you you can watch a pitcher and know, Pretty much who they are after a couple starts, just based on Arsenal. And, you know, especially when you get the numbers like you see on Savant, like you can kind of tell what they can do and, you know, what they're capable of. And they may just not be getting the results for various reasons. There's a lot of nerves for a pitcher coming up and debuting. It's a lot of different things, as you mentioned, but I'm not really in on these guys for redraft rest of season. And I could be wrong on that. I mean, you know, any of these guys could come up and have really solid you know, performances rest of season. But to me, it's more of a dynasty buy low opportunity or just wait till next year for redraft when the price is really deflated. You can get them on the cheap. Yeah, I
1: didn't even mention Hunter Green, he's another one. Like there's a bunch of them out there that have been a roller coaster ride. Eric, how are you approaching them? Because I will say one thing is I agree with what, what Chris was saying. But there's always those guys like Logan Gilbert all of a sudden started figuring out like the last month of the okay. season last year. And it like just raised the stock again. And, you know, he helped some guys get to the finish line in fantasy. So it's that's why it's so tricky, obviously. So there's no perfect answer right now. I, I, there, I lean heavily with what Chris was saying. But uh, how do you uh, look at these pitching prospects? Like they're probably streamers the rest of the way more than anything. But how do you approach them?
3: Yeah, no, I pretty much agree with Chris and you, too, here. Now, the, the one that I think is still going to be a pretty good value season, though I do wonder if they do cap his innings. They probably will, just to what degree. I still think George Kirby is going to be a pretty damn good guy. I, I think he is I, – I suck with comps. Everyone asks me, oh, what's the comp on this guy? What's the comp with this guy? I'm like, I don't know. I suck with these. But the one – sometimes it just clicks, right? Sometimes it's just like, all right, boom, that's the guy. And with, with George Kirby, I see a lot of Aaron Nola. You know, Noah a is, good Noah is like, he's not the flashiest guy around, but very good mixes the pitch. He's he's a pitcher. Man. He knows how to pitch. He's got obviously good arsenal. Kirby the same way. Kirby's got very good arsenal, very good command and control, you know, can mix pitches well, can command that, the entire arsenal very well. And so I think he's going to be a guy that, you know, could be a borderline fantasy ace year in, year out. This doesn't get enough love. So I think obviously they sent him down just to kind of limit his innings. He'll be back up at some point here pretty soon. So I think he's a guy. If someone panic dropped George Kirby when they saw him get the mo like, oh crap, he's back then. I gotta drop him for for whoever the hot guy is. But I think you can go get him in some leagues right now, or even you know trade try to buy low on him if possible. I don't know if you can, but I think he's still gonna have some value. But yeah, pretty much for the most part, outside of obviously Spencer Strider, all these other guys are just yeah gonna be waiver wire, you know fodder for the rest of the year.
1: Um, you know some guys we didn't really go deep on was Torkelson, MJ Melendez. Maybe there's some others. I'll give you guys the floor if you want. Is there anybody else you'd like to hit on? Or we can uh, move on to the next stage. But I know there's, there's it's fun in baseball because it wasn't this way not too long ago. There's a lot of young players out there right now. A lot. So it's like in the old days, okay, old days a few years ago, it was like you, you'd get like three or four in the whole season. It was like that's right. all you'd get. And now it's like we get – tend to start the season and they just keep coming and coming and coming. So uh, you guys have the floor. I'll let you guys have, is there anybody else that you'd like to hit on uh, before we move on?
3: Yeah. Like this go off what you were saying here. There's so much good young talent and the good thing for baseball to turn not to get off fantasy for a quick second here, but It's a lot of diverse talent. You got some obviously the guys from the USA, like you know, Trout and Tucker and Betts and all them. You got Shohei Otani in the Asian market. You got a lot of you know, Latin, uh, Latin talent with Soto and Acuna and Tatis and J Rod. It's just you know, Joe Ram is so good for the game, I think. So I love seeing Bo Bichette, you know, Bobby Witt. So much good. Look at my my dynasty rankings. You know, I think out of the top 15, uh, there's like five that are above 25 years old right now it's harper turner joe ramotani those guys so yeah baseball's in a very good spot hopefully they don't screw this up marketing wise they probably will soon but but yeah this you know torkelson's a guy that i've been kind of wondering if he got overblown a little bit just because of what he did at arizona state um with with the metal bats and you know you you see it every year his average or every level i should say his average kind of went down you know there's some k-rate issues power was always there but again america park has limited better power hitters than torque so kind of wonder if he's actually more back in top 100 guy but yeah this is a lot of fun young names right now so yes baseball is in a good spot
2: what about you chris yeah same thing i'm excited to see the all the prospects debut this year like that's been certainly fun and the talents there you know there's no specific names but you know they're you just monitor these guys a lot of young talent's going to struggle when they come up and that's that's to be expected like you know the The J Rods and the Bobby Witts and then the Ronald Acuñas and Sotos and Tatisas aren't the normals of the world. So, you kind of just take it in stride and and know and expect the struggles, but know that they'll be okay long term. So, don't be afraid to buy in later or even even now in a dynasty if someone's struggling. Hundred percent. That leads us to the next spot. Great segue. It's like you've done this
1: before. (laughs) Um, We're gonna start with you on this one, Chris. What are, are? Let's give me a couple. You don't have to give them all. Like you know, there's a Jason Dominguez, but everybody knows about him. Like there's there's all these guys. Who are maybe, say you're out of it this year and you're reloading for the future in Dynasty. Who are a couple players you're looking to trade for? It could be guys we talked about tonight. It could be guys we don't know about that. Maybe you're in double A. Um, who are a couple players you're looking to,
2: to maybe buy low or, or sneak through in a trade to get you ready for next year? And, you know, I think that, People want to go out and buy the shiny new toys, especially with prospects. Everybody wants to go get like Ellie De La Cruz and Jackson Churio. But you know, in reality, it's probably the worst time to trade for them right now as their stocks have absolutely soared. And you know, playing a dynasty or keeper league is a lot like just playing the stock market and knowing when to buy and when to hold, when to sell. And so you have to look for the the next guy. So you're looking for the next Jackson Churio. You're looking for the next Ellie Dela Cruz. And so, you know, for me, like Mason wins one that I'm looking at getting out of St. Louis, you know, he's maybe getting more hype now after the Futures game when he threw that ball from shortstop over 100 miles an hour. Everybody went crazy. You know, those kind of things get people hype. You know, it's what it is. But, you know, he's a younger one and he's not going to debut next year. But, like, for next year, like – I think you go out and get Spencer Torkelson on a buy low. I mean, coming up and struggling as he did, you know, I think the expectations probably should be tempered a little bit. But I do think he's a good buy low opportunity right now. He's come up and hit sub 200, hit five home runs and got demoted, so you know that's a negative. But you know, Camerica as we've talked about, could it limit his power? Absolutely. But I still think that he's got a solid field to hit, and he does have good power in the profile that he's going to get to. So I'm not overly worried about that. So like a Torkelson is a good buy low. You know, I'm kind of going down my list looking for you know other prospects that could take that jump and be the next guy. You know, it's hard to pinpoint like who could be the next top 10 prospect, like Ellie De La Cruz or Jackson Churio have really rocketed up boards. But you know, getting in the on those guys early is you know, before they all the hype is is when to do it. And you gotta trade for those guys early when you when you see them kind of popping off. So that's my advice. Just don't go out and buy the new shiny toys. You know, get guys that are going to be there and then get, get the guys like that come up and struggle like uh, you know uh, Spencer Torkelson type who came up and, and really struggled that you can get on a buy low. That's what I'd be looking to do. What about you, Eric?
3: Yeah, the way I've always kind of thought about it, the kind of go along with what Chris was saying with the shiny new toy. Don't buy the shiny new toy that's in the store. Buy the one that's still on the assembly line. Like that's the one that's, the one. that's when you want to get. That's kind of like the, the euphemism I use there. You know, and there's a few names like these. These names have already kind of popped off, but. It's not, obviously not to the same level. Guys like Kevin Alcantara uh, from the Chicago Cubs is a guy I really like. Harry Ford uh, from Seattle. He's got a lot of upside there. So those are a couple of guys. Christian Barquero got a lot of tools, a lot of raw power, some speed from the – Nat. he was last year's international class for the Washington Nationals. So those are a couple of guys. And you look at some of the guys you know, near the top. Like I think Volpe – Volpe I think you can still get uh as a by, anthony Volpe shorts off from the yankees uh, he's in double a right now I, i've seen him a few times this year when somerset's come here and you know his early season stats were they weren't great but i was a believer in what we saw last year power speed contact approach it's all there he's still have yankee stadium he's gonna have that lineup all those good things and he's really really turned it on over the last really month and a half or so Pretty much performing as he did last year, but you still look at that overall season stat line. I think he's getting like 252 overall just because of that really slow start, or he was hovering around 200 for the first month and a half or whatever it was. So he's a guy I think is going to be still an absolute stud. That I think you can get uh, for a little bit, a little bit cheaper than you probably should.
1: I love it. Uh, a couple more questions I have for you before listener questions. Um, do you have like any age rules when you're drafting or trading, or like do you want above double A? Do you prefer? Does it matter to you? How do you approach that when you're trying to build your team going forward? Like my, my rule was like when I was doing dynasty, I wanted guys that were at least like a year away. I I had kind of like age limits in my mind. I didn't want like super old guys, but I didn't want like super young guys. Like I wanted to compete now. Um, How do you go about it? If you're like building or rebuilding your team, Eric?
3: I don't have any specific like age restrictions or whatever I look for, but something I've always tried to do and it's easier said than done at, at times, but I like having, you know, what I call like the onion method. Like you look at from Shrek onions have layers. I like to have layers in my, in my prospects. I like to have some, you know, what, what, like, let's get the startup early. Like, I like to get my, my win now guys, my core major league talent, I like to have some guys that are like right there on the cusp, like within a year of debuting. Then I'll mix in some of like the younger, like the Jackson Cherio types, the Elidio Cruz. They're maybe a year or two away. So then, you know, once those guys become more of the near ready guys and you, you mix in some, you know, draftees and whatnot, so you kind of always have like that next wave. And obviously, like I said, you can't always do that. You know, guys, you know, rise up, they fall down, you know, they tail off, you make trades, whatever. But yeah, that, that's kind of like this little bit of my strategy. What I, I try to do, I always have that next wave coming up.
1: That'll do, donkey. That'll do. Um, <laughs> what about you, Chris?
2: Yeah, similar boat. I mean, I'm always playing to win, and so it's kind of constantly just churning prospects. So, I, 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 even if I'm not competing, like I still want to try to be getting young major league talent because prospects have you know a good bust rate. There's yep. there's a high chance they just don't come up and perform as expected, and so it's just constantly churning the roster, and it does take a lot of time to do that. But you know, moving the prospects, trying to get younger MLB talent, trying to get those buy lows. But still staying in contention while having kind of the layered, you know, system in ages, I guess, per se. So that's kind of
1: my strategy. All right. I got a couple of listener questions for you here. Larry Cardosa asks, What up, boys? A couple of questions. Number one, who do you think will be the first player drafted in the twenty twenty two draft to make it to the show? We kind of answered earlier, but if you want to give a quick recap, uh Chris, who you got?
2: Yeah, it's Ben Joyce. Uh, I'll go with Los Angeles Angels
1: reliever. What about you, Eric? Yeah, that, that's probably the right answer there, Ben Joyce. All right. And then what's your take on the Giants pick Reggie Crawford, Eric? You know, Crawford
3: was, I think, considered by a lot to be, you know, a little bit of an overslot. You looked at, you know, a lot of the, you know, the pre-draft rankings, you know, we're talking like baseball America, you know, those types, they had him more of like a second, third round talent, but you know, he's, he's definitely got some intrigue to him. That's for sure. I, I don't think he should have been a first round pick or anything like that, but you know, definitely. You know, he's a a left-handed pitcher out of Connecticut. He's a big guy, six listed at six four, two thirty-five. You know, big fastball slider mix. I don't know. You know I don't think he's a starter long-term. He, he's probably a reliever more so. Um, but this could be a big impact reliever. So I think obviously San Fran's looking at that. Like, all right, this is a guy that's gonna help us. You know, sooner rather than later, he's for a guy that could be one of the, the faster guys to get to the major leagues and you know pitch out of their bullpen. You know, maybe not this year, but maybe next year. And obviously, San Fran's always, you know, going to be in it right now with how they're they're performing. So yeah, it was kind of a, a sneaky, yeah, not a lot of like fantasy appeal here, but more like that good real life pick for them.
2: What About you, Chris? Yeah, the biggest question mark is he hasn't pitched a lot. He's thrown twenty innings over the last three years. He, he struck out forty seven percent of the batters that he's faced over those twenty innings, which is really good. Pretty pretty good, yeah. Yeah the the arsenal is really good. It kind of you know Garrett Crochet ish which, you know, Crochet was a starter that went to a reliever. So, it's it's kind of a wild card just because we don't have a lot on him. The little bit of data there is, it's it's good. I mean, the sliders, a plus pitch, you know, 85-87, the fastball up to 99, you know, good spin rates on them coming from the left side. As you mentioned a bigger guy, so he's a pretty electric arm and I think there's just some unknowns is the question mark.
1: Mike Curland has a question. If you guys don't know who Mike Curland is, well, you're bad. Um, <laughs> over the years of prospect analysis, what has changed the most in your process? Have you noticed your accuracy on expectations or expectations improve? If so,
2: why? Chris? Well, I think in general, it's just being more conservative on, you know, looking at what a prospect could be because I think it's easy to get dreamy on like J-Rod, who, you know, obviously a generational talent, but it's also easy to want to look at every player's upside. But I think looking more at like a a median outcome of a player is really the biggest thing. Honestly, like just live looks and, you know, trying to watch as much as I can on players, which is hard because that's time consuming. It's hard to watch, you know, all these prospects you evaluate but it's knowing what numbers matter, what doesn't matter, knowing really what to look for when you're watching. And you can just see, and you can just see when a player's on the field, when you see him live, sometimes there's just players that are head and shoulders above everybody else on the field. And, you know, that's what I saw with Sedan Rafaela early this year, where he was really a non prospect. And now he's kind of vaulted up significantly. I'm just fortunate that he was here in, in Greenville, South Carolina. And, you know, I saw him two times on opening weekend and was like, man, this kid's something and he's kind of kept blossoming but you know really I think just trying to be more conservative with trying to project players and I think that's that's been helpful rather than trying to dream on the upside I guess per se but that's something that obviously we try to do better every day but you know just trying to learn every day and learning more what matters and I guess that's where I've gotten better is just trying to be a little more conservative with projection on them.
3: Perfect what about you Eric? I love how you didn't include that first part of what Curlin said in that reply. I saw that. I saw that Curlin. Yeah. Yeah. I because
1: Curlin thinks he's funny, but he's not. So I just kind of ignore him. That's that's what's works. That's why we get along so well Is I just ignore <laughs> his stuff. That's just who he is. And I'm going to hear all about this now. So that's the best part about it.
3: Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure we all will hear all about it. But yeah, we, we, we love we love Mike. Well, dude. if he
1: ever actually podcasts again, he can talk about it. Oh, <laughs> shots Boom, fired. I love it. Uh, what, what was the actual question? Oh, yeah, the process. I don't yeah, know, like, your your prospect analysis, how it's changed, all that yeah, good that stuff. Yeah,
3: that one. Yeah, no, I, I, I echo a lot of what Chris said. You know, just being, you know, it's funny being more conservative. And, you know, obviously we want to say, like, you know, the upside. Everyone wants to know, you know, what could be, you know, the what ifs, obviously and those, those are fun to talk about, obviously, but there's, those are small percentage outcomes. Like, like you said, these J rods and wits are not though they're, they're the exception of the role. We shouldn't expect those. They're, they're not the expectation. They're the exception. So just being, you know, in saying, all right, there's prospects aren't perfect. Like, you know, it's, it's a growing pro it's a, grow, a lot of growing pains there prospects have holes and you, know, you, you got to say those in your analysis you can't be like oh everything's great you know this guy's gonna be great you know that's why i got called too positive and too negative in terms of my prospect analysis within like a three-hour period like last week so <laughs> it's like you got to say all right there's some issues here this is my concerns um and you gotta say that i guess he, i i try to say what people I think they need to hear, not what they want to hear. Everyone wants to be like, oh yeah, all my prospects are going to be great. My team's going to be a, you know, juggernaut winning dynasty championships every year, but that's not the case with a lot of these guys. So in terms of like, this the process always, you know, incorporating you, know, you look at some stats metrics, you know, you watch a lot of video. It's a, it's a good blend of things, always starting to get better, always learning from people that have been doing it a lot longer, you know, than Chris and I have. So yeah, it's always just trying to improve any way you can just watching the video
2: and keeping at it yeah and can i add i think there are a lot of people who are good at saying what a prospect can do but i think the thing that we need to do better of is talking about what what prospects struggle with and i think yeah. that that will really help with analysis too because it's not as you mentioned it's not all the all the good there's bad in every profile yeah. so it's it's being able to say well this prospect struggles with this and that's okay they can't they're not doing this well but we only want to talk about all the good that they're doing Absolutely. Man, this,
1: this, this sounds like life lessons. I don't even know we're talking <laughs> prospects anymore. Like, oh, my goodness, please. this has got deep and I love it. Um, Peter Battaglia has a question. He says, and it, it's going to sound really silly to a lot of people, but I guess if you really think about injuries, it's interesting. Would you rather have Trout or Buxton in Dynasty? Trout.
2: Yeah, I'm still yeah. going with Trout. Yeah. I, it's I, closer I, than
1: it used to
3: be, though. That's why it's interesting. Yeah. I actually just finished an article about three hours ago that'll be out. Uh,
1: when, when is this dropping? Uh, it'll probably be out tonight, but I won't really promote it till tomorrow.
3: Okay, so it's it article will be out on Thursday whenever you're listening to this about Buxton and how we need to really drop him down in, in dynasty rankings. Like, and I even just well, put out
1: any negative feedback at all. I no, can't not at all. This. It's funny.
3: <laughs> I just put out a tweet like 10 minutes ago looking at uh, there's three guys right now with a 90th percentile or better uh, barrel rate, hard hit rate, and sprint speed. And actually, Trout and Buxton were two of them, the other one was. Uh, I should I should know this. I just put up the tweet. Hold on, let me pull it up really quick here. Oh, J Rod, yeah. Okay. yeah I, just <laughs> didn't even, I didn't even look
1: at the tweet. I was just guessing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, it's got to be J Rod. He's that crazy right now. Honestly. I was just
3: I was drawing a blank, but it's funny the two of these guys. But yeah, even though Trout has his injuries, at least Trout shows bigger stretches of elite production. Like we've seen it here and there with Buxton. Obviously, one of my uh, sad. I just found out when doing this since he debuted. Minnesota has played. There was like a thousand sixty something games. He's played in fifty three percent of those games. Oof! And I, I had this little like I this little injury like history thing. It's just like a, a game of operation. You know, like head, shoulders, knees, and toes with this guy. Uh, literally, I think he's in groin and hamstring and back and everything concussions. So yeah, he just doesn't play enough, and he's not hitting for average. He's a two forty four career hitter with a two ninety eight career OBP. The speed, even though the sprint speed is still there. Maybe he's just trying to, you know, not run as much to stay healthy. I don't know. Uh, I don't know what it is, but speed is still there in general. He's not right. He only has two stolen base attempts on the year. So there's a lot more cons than pros. So I don't know why we want to rank him even close to trout at this point. I think he, he was close to trout, but I think he's kind of falling off.
1: Chris, trout or J-Rod? J-Rod. Yeah. Same for you, Eric. Yeah. And I would ask you, J-Rod or Joey Weimer? <laughs> how dare you put that's like trying to to decide who my favorite son is like how how dare you it's joey of course Um, like like, is this really a question here um okay and then i have i have uh, two more questions for you guys these are my questions and one or these are two are separate first this one's for eric i had to ask it because you're on the show what are we doing with jared kalenic I knew when he, when he said this is for me, I was like, oh, God, he's going Kelnick. <laughs> Um,
3: Yeah. Okay. So, obviously, <laughs> Kelnick is, you know, he's the poster boy of what can go wrong and what can go wrong in a big way. But yeah, he showed little flashes, you know, like the end of the year, like the last month, he had, was one of the only guys with like seven home runs and three steals and 20 runs or whatever it was. Uh, there was only a few of them. And so he's shown that he's still got the upside in him, but the, the K rate, there's, too much swing and miss in his game right now. Even he's been performing pretty well on the surface in AAA. He's been hitting bombs, stealing so some bags. He's, like, he's hitting like 290 something since his demotion, but the K rate's still been a little high. I think it has come down lately, but I still think there's like a 25 a homer, you know, 10 ish steal guy in there, but maybe he's more, you know, I still think, he, I think 260, I think is still possible with him. So I think he can be a top 100 guy, maybe like top 75 or so. Uh, I just don't think, obviously, I thought he was going to be a, you know, top 25 guy that was hitting, you know, 30 home runs, 15, 20 steals, you know, kind of what Witt and J.R. are doing now, maybe not to the same extent, but he's definitely falling off. But I I think he's still a solid buy because that stigma is there. Like, oh, he sucks. He doesn't suck. He's had some issues. It's in his head. Uh, He's one of those guys that he, I think he tries too hard and he gets in his own head. So I I think there's still some talent there. Good buy low, Just, you know, temper expectations a little bit to come to what they were, you know, 18 months ago or
1: so. Chris, as a Braves fan, what's going to be the cooler bobblehead? Spencer Strider with the Rookie of the Year trophy or Spencer Strider with an, a, a movable mustache?
3: <laughs> look at like a Mr. Potato Head thing we're talking that's about here. Good. Well, they,
1: they make some of those that it'll just be like hair, but then the bobblehead, so you can like play with like. Because I have a I have a hockey one with Brent Burns from the Sharks, and he's oh, got yeah. the big beard on it and everything. So they oh, can that'd do be awesome. You can, awesome. you can like you can like twirl the stash. Yeah, that'd be oh, awesome. That's what I'm saying. But that was just a joke part. What do you think is the ceiling for Spencer Strider? Because I think as long as he finishes the year, he's the Rookie of the Year. I think that's pretty much I a deal. So too.
2: Um. So what are we thinking with him? Because it's been amazing watching him pitch. He just has another level and when he competes I man he gets out there and he's he's different on the mound and you know this is something Ian Conn talks a lot about is just watching players mannerisms and i think it tells a lot about him and strider when he's on the mound he's just a bulldog like he just goes out there and he wants to compete he's he goes on the mound believing he's going to strike you out and he does i mean he's got a 38% strikeout rate right now which is absolutely insane i don't know i don't know what the ceiling is maybe his value is at an all time high I hope not i mean the fastballs elite the sliders are really good pitch as well. And he's one that can get away with two pitches because the fastball is that good. And it has that much velo. And you've seen the starts where his velo's is down to like 96. He's kind of a different pitcher. He's got hit around a little more. Yeah. I know his last start wasn't great. It was again at Washington, whatever. I mean, it. you look at the whole body of work and it's been extremely good. So, you know, I think he's, I'm not going to call him an ace, but I think there's definitely SP two here. Like, and this is a legit, profile I, i'm not i don't think it's a fluke by any means what he's done over these first 74 innings that he's been a professional all right last question i have for
1: you both We'll go chris and then we'll go eric i'm going to see you guys in november unless something crazy happens that's for f for those that don't know must go to if you can pull it off i understand it's difficult for some great time and we have the arizona fall league there who you can do a couple guys if you'd like who are a couple names you hope are playing in the arizona fall league this year
2: Ellie DeLaCruz the first I was, one
1: I was just we, just
3: we were just talking about that hopefully Cincinnati's teams don't come anywhere near me so I was hoping like the only time I could see some guys is is in the Arizona Fall League yeah, so Ellie is a, a, definitely a name.
2: Yeah, I mean, do we see like a Robert Hassel maybe? Oh, I would love that. That would be awesome. Oh, Boy. I mean, there's some there's some intriguing names like a I mean, Jordan Walker. I don't know. There could be a lot of fun names out there. We just don't know for sure, but Another name
3: another name I'm hoping just because he he's missed some time here, Daniel Espino would be a fun name. He I was hoping to see him. They they were coming to Hartford, Connecticut, which is like a three hour drive for me, which I only make that drive for like Daniel Espino type of prospects. Or, you know, if Ellie came to you know Hartford I gotta make that drive. But yes, but he was he was injured and didn't play in that series. So maybe the missed time, maybe they give him some time. He's another guy is I have a hard time seeing just because of proximity to me. But uh, yeah, Espinoza's another guy. I hope, and and maybe I, I don't know if they give uh, Grayson Rodriguez time in Baltimore. I guess this is how he comes back from injury. But you know, Jordan Walker's one I, I'd love to see uh, out there. Maybe like, I don't know if they'll give Jordan Lawler some time. Arizona, you know, Zach Veen. Just some of these guys that I just can't see, just because they're you know minor league teams in that org just don't come anywhere near me or even within a thousand miles of me. So those are a lot of guys where I'm like, all right, I only have this one chance to see them. Like Joey Weimer, you know, yep. none of Milwaukee's teams or anywhere near me so it's guys like that that i don't have
1: a chance to see otherwise and, you know if for some reason joey has to make another appearance i'm all for it so like i, I got no problem with that at all i'll be I'll, I'll have the family section packed and ready to go so that'll be a great time but what else was a great time was talking to you guys it's always an absolute pleasure uh, i'm glad we got to do this and um why don't you guys plug your stuff you guys got a lot of it you guys are constantly putting out context so plug plug what you got going on and we'll head on out of here
3: yeah. You know, th- th- thanks for having us on, man. This is all this hour and a half flew by always fun talking <laughs> to you, buddy. can't wait to see you again out in Arizona and talk with everybody, you know, talk baseball, watch baseball, play some poker, play some golf, you know, it's going to be a lot of fun. So looking forward to that. And yeah, thanks for having us on there. You know, check out our podcast, Fantrax tracks show. We have our Patreon as well. A lot of fun stuff on there early looks at our rankings, live rankings, extra content, stuff like that. Yeah. And there's all, all of our rankings coming out uh, over at Fantrax HQ, for both Chris and I, and just the team in general we have at Fantrax HQ is just phenomenal. I'm, I'm so proud of the team. Like I've, I was there in the beginning, saw what it was back then, see what it is now. The team we have is just so great. A lot of very talented people. in uh, football, too. Like a lot of sports, a lot of good people here. So, yeah, a lot, of, a lot of good stuff at Fantrax HQ.
2: What about you, Chris? Yeah, similar stuff. Rankings at Fantrax coming out soon. Weekly Stackcast article. Quick grades over it. Fantasy pros I do each week for hitters. Check out the Patreon, the podcast, Fantrax Toolshed. You know, we've got a lot of good stuff. We update our rankings pretty much weekly on the live rankings over there on the Patreon, which is fun. You know, Dynasty an evolving game. I've seen people argue against that, but you know, values change regularly. So we update them, you know, on the regular. You can see them as we update them, which is pretty cool on the Patreon. So a lot of good stuff. But again, thank you for having us, man. Always good to fun, fun time talking and I you know, can't wait to get together again.
1: No doubt about it. Make sure you check them out on Twitter at Eric cross zero four at Roto Clegg at fan tracks, tool shed, all the good stuff they're doing. And, uh, we'll be back at the guys next time. This was bench with Bubba episode four ninety one. Catch y'all later.